Good morning, good day. Great to see all your faces on this wonderful July 4th weekend. Are you awake? Right? You just heard this song, Come Awaken You People. You heard Pastor Mark last week talk about we need to wake up. We need to be ready. We need to be watchful because Jesus is coming back. And I want to follow up on that message and bring you through 1 Timothy 6 this morning. And I'm going to ask you a question right away. I'm going to ask this section. Are you ready? The middle section. Are you ready? Wow. And over here, are you ready? You're ready. Yeah. Yes. Back in 1980, there's a gospel song. I'm sure many of you remember it. Actually, looking through the, most of you don't, weren't even alive in 1980. It asks you these questions. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you where you ought to be? Will he know you when he sees you? Or will he say, depart from me? I hope you're ready. I pray that you're ready. I want to tell you a little story about being ready. I love the faith of children. And I love miracles. I was going home Friday night thinking, how do I start this message today? And I ride by a repair shop, and in big letters on their sign, it says, God is a miracleizer. And I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus is a miracleizer. The Bible's very clear, Psalm 77, 14. You are the God who performs miracles. You notice it says performs in the present tense. It doesn't say you're a God who performed miracles back in the Old Testament. Jesus, you are a God who performed miracles. No. God is performing miracles as you sit in your seats this morning. And you need to believe that. You need to believe that there's a miracle waiting for you out there. If you're depressed, if you're under a sickness, cancer, or something else that's just bothering you, if you have a family that's imploding, there's a supernatural miracle waiting for you outside of that door. And go and embrace it. Go and pursue it. Kelly and I had the experience a week ago, Friday, of seeing another miracle. Our sixth grandchild. Thank you. I can tell you right now, as I'm holding little Violet Saturday night, that is a miracle. And we shouldn't take it for granted. Seven pounds just sleeping with Grandpa. And I'm thinking, Jesus, thank you for this little miracle. And then I see something that's beyond miraculous to me. Because her little sister, all 20 months of her, she was ready. She is waiting for her mom, who she hasn't seen in a couple days, and her dad to come in that house. And there's a little child gate 
Four stairs coming up, and she's just standing there right at the stairs, right? She knows she's been waiting for. There's an excitement. There's an exhilaration. Her little baby sister is coming home, and she's about to meet her. And as soon as they start bringing the car seat up the stairs, she's at the stairs, and then she, she pushes back. And you can see the excitement in her body. And she says, Mama, Dada. And they put the baby in front of her, and she just keeps saying, Ah, oh, baby, baby. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's a baby kid. Ah, oh, baby. And then she kind of reaches out to touch her. She was waiting. She was ready. She was watchful. 20 months. That's a picture of what we need to be doing for Jesus. We need to be standing at that gate. So excited. So full of joy. Yet at the same time, full of peace. Here he comes. I say it again. Are you ready for Jesus? So today's message, uh, I was talking to Tim, a lot of songs come into Tim's mind, and he's talking to Queen V, Victoria and I, and he's saying, oh, hey, here's this song. Do you guys know this song? And it was two words, and he kept saying them. So I took a wild guess and said the two words. He's like, you're right. Who is it? It's the Temptations. And I know our worship team is not the Temptations. Right? They're just bringing you directly up to God. But I love this song. Uh, for those of you who are alive in the 60s, again, not many of you. Certainly Tim was alive in the 60s. You, you saw him up here. Great song. Get ready. Get ready because here he comes. Yeah, he's coming. And you're going to meet him face to face. And that's exactly what this church is all about. It's really simple, people. We're getting you ready to meet Jesus face to face. So let's hear Jesus speak to us today from 1 Timothy. And Mark did a great job of describing the world to you. You all live in the world. You all know what the world is like. There are great parts to living in the world. Being here and worshiping this morning, to me, is the greatest part of being in this world. It just brings me alive. If I've had the worst of weeks, all I have to do is hear that first chord. And I'm up off my feet, and I am filled with the Spirit, and they're not here to entertain us. They're here to connect us directly with Jesus. You're meeting him face to face when you are worshiping, whether it's here or whether it's in your car, in your home, out on a hike, you are meeting Jesus face to face. So Mark introduces us to this world of ours. And so does Paul in 1 Timothy 6. And I'm not going to go through everything. We did this at Life Group. Everybody sort of gave us descriptions of the world. Paul describes it. Controversies, quarrels, division, conceit arrogance, all of those things in the world, paranoia, evil. And here's something that we're going to talk about today. 
And a lot of churches don't like to talk about this. We talk about it. Why? Because it's biblical. It's mentioned many, many, many times in the Bible. We, we're going to have a little discussion about money. Right? We all need it. It's an object. It's a currency. It's the way we live our lives financially. Money is necessary. And I want you to understand, especially those of you who are working and working and earning your money and putting a lot of effort and having a great impact on your workplace, don't be under the delusion that money is evil. Money is not evil at all. I can take it out of my pocket right now and put it in my hand. I, I, it doesn't feel evil to me. But Paul's going to talk to you about money and about all these other things. And there are churches, there are people who say we're going to use our godliness as a means for financial gain. That is evil. And here's what Paul has to say. After he says that, he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content. And with that, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And here it is. For the love of money is the root of all evils. Many evils. All kinds of evils. And here's what that does. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So I read that verse and I say to myself, I don't want to love money. It's destructive. It's going to fill me with grief. But it doesn't mean that I can't take money in and use my wealth that God has provided to me to pay some of it back to God and bring up and encourage the kingdom of God on earth. You can use your money. Don't be afraid to use your money for Jesus. Don't fear it at all. It will bring you an abundance of wealth. And when I'm talking about wealth, I'm not talking about being rich with money. I'm talking about being rich in the spirit, in things like love, peace, and joy. And God says this in Luke 16, 13. I'm sure many of you have read this. You cannot serve both God and money. Who are you going to serve? You got to serve somebody. I've said that before up here. You're going to serve money? Is that going to be your obsession? Is that going to be your focus in life? Or are you going to turn to Jesus and serve Jesus? I don't think that's a difficult choice. Because this verse really tells you what money is about. For we brought nothing into the world. Violet, on June 23rd, brought nothing into the world. But I can tell you, she was born into a household of peace, joy, 
and love. And we can take nothing out of it. You can gather all this wealth. You can worship it. You can have boats, cars, big houses. You can live this life. You could have a reality TV show where you show all your wealth off. And then you die. And you don't take it with you. It's not coming. How often have we heard that, right? But we hear it in a different light, right? The man with the most toys dies the happiest. Oh, really? Not necessarily. If I die with a lot of toys and I know Jesus, oh, what happiness. If I die with a lot of toys and I don't know Jesus, oh, no. Right? So that's what God says about money. The love of wealth, of the material things, of the dinero, leads to spiritual poverty. So if you don't have a lot of money right now, and you don't have the big house, and you don't have the big account, and your retirement's looking a little low, but you have that relationship with Jesus, and you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you love people, you are rich beyond belief. You don't have to jones it with your neighbor who has all these lawnmowers and cars and a beautiful house but has nothing else in their life. Right? Worshiping the wealth. Forgetting and placing God to the side does not lead to a rich life. So, G so Paul takes us through all of this, through the destruction, the separation, the grief that's caused by that worship, that love of money. And then says this through Jesus. When you look at that love of money, when you look at that dissension, when you look at the world gossiping, dividing, just all you have to do is watch the first 28 minutes of the world news at night, and you'll go, ah, this world. And then at the end, you'll get a great little 30-second story that brings you a sense of peace or joy. That's the world. And Jesus says one word about it. Flee! Flee! From that. The Greek word from that means flee on a daily basis. Don't just get it in your, I got to flee from that. It just takes over your mind. I have to run from that evil. And that's what I like about Jesus. He doesn't complicate things. He doesn't give you all these explanations about the love of money and wealth and all of this. He says, flee from it. And why not flee from it? It's full of destruction. It's full of fear. It's full of grief. Flee from it. In church, I'll say this to you because we all have this grip on us. I, I have days where, hey, the, the mortgage is coming. I start thinking about the mortgage. Oh, the vacation is coming. Got to pay. Oh, my golf membership is coming. Whoa. Got to pay for that. Why am I thinking about all these things? Right? 
They are taking me away from Jesus. We all do it. But what Jesus says is take flight from it on a daily basis. Do not let the world's grip choke you out with thoughts of money. We worry about money. We work for our money. There's nothing wrong, again, with money. We can be great stewards of our money. I love helping my children with my money. When we go out to a restaurant, I crack up because we have dinner, there's a whole slew of them, and they all, like, they, they, they give me their cards, like their debit cards. Like, they think that I'm gonna take the debit cards and pay for the meal, and I just laugh because I go, one day I'm gonna take those. <laughs> when we have a really big meal, there's a lot of people there, and I decide to have three steaks and dessert and a little chocolate mousse cake. I think that's what we call it, right, girls? Chocolate mousse cake. You're going to have to pay for it. There's going to be shock and dismay at that point. But money is, doesn't have a grip on us. And then another simple word. He just turns it on its back and says, pursue these things. Pursue righteousness in godliness. We are such a narcissistic world. It's all about us. Turn the TV on, you'll see it. Just, and I'm not getting political at all, right? We're gonna get bombarded with these political ads, right? It's all about them. You have to be God-centered, not self-centered. And humanly, we're just built to be self-centered. I don't want to go on the golf thing, but people who play golf, all they worry about is how their game was that day. And you know who cares? Nobody. <laughs> At all. I, I don't... You know why they don't care? Because they're so wrapped up in their own stupid game. So, oh, I did really bad today. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I, I, did. I was wonderful today. I'm probably one of the best golfers here. Oh. So we got one, guy, one woman crying, the other guy saying, look at me, look how great I am. Narcissism. I heard that in a life group the other night, because we were just going, what's the world like? It's confused. It's narcissistic. The world loves money. All these great things in a life group were just pouring out. We're having this great discussion about it. Why? It's, it's right here in the Bible. Then what else are you to pursue? Faith and love. Who doesn't want to pursue those two things, by the way? You say to someone, would you like to pursue your faith and love? No, that doesn't sound too good. <laughs> Who wants to pursue those things, right? It's what we do on a daily basis. It's, we're full, hopefully, of the fruit of of the Spirit that we talk about in Galatians. We've talked about it so many times, right? Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, patience, self-control. That's the Spirit. And I want to make it very clear. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fill this place. And flood the atmosphere. If you want to bring that in, Jesus, bring it in. 
Fill me up. And again, if you hear those words, who wouldn't want to be filled with that? I was at a party last night, and Kelly, Kelly is great. These are all wonderful friends of ours. And she said, oh, he's, he's given the message. He's preaching tomorrow night. Oh, that's, that's good, that's good. And then someone cornered me and said, what are you preaching about? And I said to him, those nine things. Just rattled them off. He goes, wow, you really know what you're preaching about. Yeah, exactly. Because it's the Spirit of God just raining down on me. It's not me. These aren't my words today. I don't fear speaking these words today because they're not mine. They're Jesus's words. And I say that with all humility. If you don't like this message today, if you go, where was Pastor Mark? Why do we have to listen to the old guy with white shoes? <laughs> right? And a white belt. I got a white belt on, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen Pastor Mark wearing a white belt and white shoes lately. So I don't mean to, so. And then beyond that, we pursue endurance and gentleness. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Verse 12, 1 Timothy 6. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made your good confession, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So many of us think, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we think of that everlasting life when we pass from this life. That's not when you get your everlasting life. You get your eternal life the moment you believe. I'm looking at all of you out here right now. You're living your eternal life right now. The Lord's Prayer, as kingdom comes, right, on earth as it is in heaven. We're living it out right now. Live your best spiritual life right now in the present. You should be full of peace. You should be full of joy. You should be full of love. Why? You're living forever, people. There's not any better news than that. There's not any better, better news than the gospel news that tells you as Christians, you are going to fight this good fight of faith. You're going to run the race and you are alive forever. Will there be a physical death where all the things you have accumulated you will not take with you? Of course, yeah. But that's not the end of the story for you. That's the story that you've been living. And now you get the opportunity to live it face to face with Jesus. You're probably sick of hearing this. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you where you ought to be? Will he know you 
when he sees you. And you know what? Looking out at all of you, oh, he will. And man, what a reunion that's going to be. What joy you're going to feel. You think you feel joy as we worship here in this place erupts? You are going to be singing holy, holy, holy with your Savior. Maybe Richie will be right beside you. Oh, I can't imagine that time, Pastor Richie. I can't imagine the joy in that. We're going to be together, singing in heaven. And a lot of times we have to remember, especially when there's that boat that Pastor Mark had in his dream, and people are falling. You're there to catch him. You're there to tell him about this Jesus. You're there to wrap your arms around them and love them. You are not there to condemn them. You are not there to judge them. You are not there to be religious with them in any way, shape, or form. When we were getting ready today, Pastor Richie was basically saying, all these people are coming in. Don't you dare take them for granted. Don't just go through the steps. We can't take people for granted. We have to love them. No matter what their station is in life, if I wasn't in this church, if I wasn't in my life group, I'd be walking in certain professional and social circumstances where in all likelihood, I would not know you. And I'm blessed by God that I know you. I'm blessed by God that he's, he's placed me here. And believe me, I think Jesus, when he's up there and he's placed me here, is getting a pretty good laugh at it, about it. Because I never envisioned myself up here. It took me 35 years to figure out how simple it was. I rationalized it. I intellectualized it. And I just wouldn't surrender until I opened up this book and said, it's that simple? You just have to believe and your life's going to be changed forever? Was it in the midst of a crisis? Yeah, that's what Jesus does. If you want to be so intelligent and you want to rationalize out everything and you're just pushing God away, oh, he'll, he'll give you an opportunity to accept that free gift. It may not be in the circumstances you wanted it. So, the fact that I'm even up here speaking, in many ways, is a miracle to me. And it's the joy of my life. I wouldn't want to do it every week, like Pastor Mark does it. I couldn't go in the prison and do it every day, like Pastor Bill does it. I certainly couldn't do it like Pastor Richie does it. I couldn't play a guitar if you gave me lessons for 10 years. It just wouldn't happen, right? But he's placed me here for some reason. And sometimes I ask myself, why? And I get over that very quickly. I could say no to this. There's no way I would say no to it. Why? Because Jesus is asking me to do it. So I will do it. 
So as I conclude, I just ask you, and the worship team can come up, because Richie's already coming up. (laughs) I just pray that you just don't live your best life. You live your best spiritual, eternal life as you walk on this earth. When people see you, they're seeing Jesus. When people pray with you, they're hearing the voice of God. So think about what the world has for you. And then think about what Jesus has for you. It's a really simple, simple choice. I think you're ready. Get ready, because he's coming. Let's pray. Jesus, oh, how we thank you for the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the mercy that you rain down on us from the heavens. We thank you that you're coming back, and you're coming back quickly. The Bible says a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day to you. So we look forward to your return with excitement and exhilaration. We look forward to meeting you face to face. Our Lord and our Savior, our King of Kings, the highway to holiness, the gateway to glory, the roadway to righteousness, our Messiah. And I pray all of these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.